0: Good Saturday morning to you. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I'm Jason Kong, and good morning to you, Bill. Good morning, Jason. Enjoying another summer day?
1: Oh yes, it's uh, you can't you can't beat this uh, uh, summertime. It's just a wonderful time to be alive and enjoy life.
0: That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We've got a, a great show planned today, and Bill, we were talking before the program that uh, reverse mortgages seem to be more and more in advertisements lately. Well,
1: well, it is, and it's something that I want to talk about. But the first thing I want to do this morning is to, is to acknowledge how wonderful it is to be on the radio. I, I mean, the fact of the matter is is that the folks at home, they can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, this morning, uh, that, that that's more important than most uh, mornings. It's simply because on the way to the radio station, uh, I dropped my coffee, and it went all over me. And it's, you know, it's, uh, so... I don't know what you did, but you're hiding it pretty well. <laughs> well, you know, the good news is, is it wasn't hot enough to, to injure me in that way. It just humiliated me. <laughs> so you never feel you, proud of you know, well, coffee spill. you know you, you drops you, you do something like that and you look a mess and and then uh, you're it's it's sort of like well will people think that you dropped your coffee or that you just lost bladder control or or whatever and so it's just uh, it is humiliating when you do something uh, like that but it just goes to show that accidents happen i mean it you it, and and um, you have to deal with it it's uh, life
0: this is a, a a testament to you because as you said we are on the radio you could have hid that fact but no you're you're an honest man and you admitted that you you spilled your coffee a little bit but that's okay uh,
1: a little bit well i mean the, <laughs> that would be nice if it only been a little bit but uh, the uh, well anyway i i think most of us have, have had our embarrassing moments like this but uh, it, uh, this is where uh, being on the radio is a wonderful thing because folks can't tell whether you're in your bathrobe or or whether hey, you're all dressed secrets. up with your tie and pearl and all of that good stuff. Uh, so it's just, um, you know, it's a real advantage. Well, I'm glad I wore my <laughs> bathrobe today. I don't know about you, but I'm very comfortable right now. Exactly, exactly. So, look, well, I guess we, we should uh, get to something that might help people. Um, other than the acknowledgement that accidents do happen, and we have to be prepared for that um, or at least deal with it. So, But, uh, you know, uh, I I read the paper this morning, and and there was a great big ad for um, uh, reverse mortgages. In other words, touting the wonderful things about reverse mortgages and why everyone should have one and and, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and I know there's been some television advertising as well, telling seniors that this, this is the way to, to go. And, and quite frankly, I, th- I think it's important to talk about reverse mortgages because it's not so simple. It, it's the kind of thing that, you know, we want to protect our assets. Uh, most of us want to try to leave a little legacy for our children if we can't spend it all. Uh, and those kinds of things. And a reverse mortgage is a good way to spend it all. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, it's not all a blessing. And uh, I know in my uh, practice where I advise people, um, uh, the times when a reverse mortgage is an appropriate tool is very, very rare, quite frankly, um, and so, uh, I, I rarely, I won't say that I never recommend them, but it's uh, a very rare kind of thing. And, and the first thing folks need to know about reverse mortgages is that the lender is making a lot of money. I mean, in other words, they're not being nice to you. They're not giving you some money just, uh, just to be nice. Uh, and in fact, uh, it's a very expensive loan for the borrower. Hmm. You know, we now, uh, you know, we talk about um, how expensive uh, credit cards are. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I mean, that's sort of an obvious thing. You know, you can see the interest rate being extremely high, uh, and it's the worst debt you can have. And in fact, a lot of folks have a great difficulty. Once they have maxed out a credit card, uh, it's, it's really hard for them to uh, pay that off um, quickly. Yeah, and sometimes it takes people years to get mm-hmm. out of credit card debt, and that's after they're focused on getting out of credit card debt. Right. Cause, um, and, and so that is clearly the worst kind of, of loan to have, and anyone who has credit card debt should try very hard to To get that debt off the books first, uh, because most people are paying, you know, anywhere from eighteen to thirty percent interest on anything that's carried over from one month to the next, and and that's just outrageous in terms of of the cost of uh, having borrowed uh, some money, and and so. For seniors, and, of course, credit cards are, are something that young people tend to get into. Uh, seniors uh, have lived long enough to know better, uh, <laughs> but but now they have the reverse mortgage to contend with. And so the, the first thing uh, with a reverse mortgage is, is typically you're paying a lot of fees up front. So it's expensive getting into Um, And and in in essence, you're paying interest in advance. Uh, No matter what they call it, that's really what you're doing. And then you're paying interest on interest because with a reverse mortgage, um, um, most of the lenders will lend you something – Along the lines of of half of what they consider to be the the equity in your home, or the so if you let's say that the valuation of your home uh, is hundred thousand dollars, well, uh, most reverse mortgage lenders would lend you up to fifty thousand dollars. Now, so what are the pros and what are the cons? Well, the the cons are I mean are straightforward. You're you're paying a bunch of money to get into the loan. In other words, it's expensive to get in. They will lend you about half of what your home is worth. Um, now, then you don't have to pay a mortgage payment. So, guess – now, the that's helpful because bottom line is you're, you need some extra money and you're um, – uh, um, and, and this is a place to get – that money. Uh, But the bad news is, is because you're not paying anything on that loan, you're paying interest on interest. And over time, interest on interest uh, gets to be extraordinarily high interest is what it really boils down Mm -hmm. to. And so uh, now, typically, as long as you live and stay in your home, um, they will not force you to sell the house. In, in other words, even if you max out your loan and they stop lending you money, if you're still in the home, then you can stay there, uh, and and the loan is not paid back until after your uh, after your death. Um, and and so it works like that. But the bottom line is is that. Guess what? Okay, now they're not. Now there's the, there's no money left in terms of what they can lend you, and you're paying interest on interest on interest. And so, guess what? By the time of your death, there's virtually no equity left in your home at all, and and there's nothing left uh, for your children now. So let's talk about. Um, all right, what's the pro? Well, for the for that special person who. Um, is is a senior? I think you have to be at least uh, mid sixties or or later. But you know, hopefully, this is not when you would be taking a reverse mortgage to begin with. Um, uh, but let's say in later years, if you're still in relatively good health and you're not having any kind of um, mental deficiencies you know if you want to call it dementia or Alzheimer's in other words you're not going down that track you're perfectly lucid all is not you're not losing it <laughs> and you're you're independent okay so uh, but you need a little extra money uh, every month to make ends meet well if you're not interested in terms of what you're leaving your children and it's likely, Uh, that you would be able to stay at home for many years, and that's your goal. In other words, you want to stay home for many, many years. Then um, uh, a reverse mortgage is at least something that you can look at. I would still not say do it. I would just say look at it for its advantages and disadvantages and see whether it meets your needs at that point. But There's so many negatives that go with it. I hate for folks to be hoodooed by advertising uh, that it's a wonderful thing and everybody should do it. It's absolutely not wonderful for a lot of folks. Um, And there are better options for uh, a lot of folks. Um, You know, there are a whole lot of seniors that feel like they don't have enough money each month, um, you know, because inflation does take its toll. Uh, and uh, folks who are retired have very limited income, and there are a lot of other things that eat away. Um, So there are lots and lots of seniors that feel like they don't have enough money to make ends meet, but there are lots of other ways to do that other than to borrow the money to to spend it.
0: Yeah, there's plenty of better options, as you said, and we'll continue our discussion in just a bit. You're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander you can find more information about him at wgalaw.com you're listening to news radio 680 wptf protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on news radio 680 WPTF Bill Alexander over there I'm Jason Kong and we're talking about reverse mortgages this morning and bill this is not something that uh, benefits most people
1: well uh, that's right but let's let's look at uh, the, the folks that it might work for and so um, uh, most of the time I see the folks who are most interested in it uh, are uh, widows and widowers? Uh, they're single, uh, and and there's uh, and there's a reason why those folks uh, oftentimes feel uh, impacted by not having enough money, and that's because when they lose their spouse, for a lot of folks, their income drops significantly, uh, and and it's really hard for folks to be able to manage. Uh, when they lose a spouse financially, if uh, if they have not planned uh, in a really good way, so that there's plenty of income for the survivor, mm-hmm. and and sometimes you find that if one spouse dies, there's it's it's okay for for the survivor, and it, but if the wrong spouse dies, there's very little money for the you know for the surviving spouse. So. That's, uh, that's a pretty big issue, and, and for those who are not seniors yet or haven't lost their spouse, it's, it, it's, uh, it's similar uh, to a divorce, if you will. Uh, I don't think you find many divorcees that, that um, uh, think, oh, yeah, we still got plenty of money to live on because uh, it is cheaper for two people to live, particularly with a combined income. And when that's severed, whether it's divorce or death, um Financially, uh, it can be really rough on a person who is accustomed to living uh, on one standard of living uh, based on two incomes and, and, and that's and the rugs pulled out from under you. Mm-hmm. Well, death does the same thing, obviously, but with death you can, you know, divorce can't plan for that generally, not financially anyway. <laughs> uh, but with death, you actually can plan, to where the survivor will have sufficient income either through life insurance or through elections for your pension uh, to be shared uh, with your surviving spouse. Uh, and so those are the two big options that a lot of folks have and and should utilize one or the other uh, in most cases. So um, anyway, so l- let's say that there is a widow um, who has a lot of of equity in other words the house is paid off and it's worth a good bit uh, and uh, the widow is uh, f- um, in really good health and doesn't care to be around other people wants to be at home has a good support network close by in terms of uh, family children and grandchildren and so they really like the community they're in you know the neighborhood they have wonderful neighbors uh, those those kind of things, uh, and they really want to stay there, um, and they just don't have enough money to make ends meet. Well, the bottom line is, if you're financially desperate, and uh, all of these other factors are true, in other words, you're you're you're, you're um, appear to have your faculties complete. You know, you're you're not going down the the track of dementia. You're in really pretty good health. You can do everything for yourself. You don't need people to come in and help take care of you. Uh, and so you're still fairly independent, good health, and all is fairly well. At that point, for that kind of person who has the support group nearby uh, and uh, loves their community and all of that good stuff, then then that person would be a candidate. Um, now, if you take any of those things away and substitute it with the reverse, mm-hmm. uh, even at the same financial situation, there's probably better options for them. Um, so uh, – One of the things that – I mean, because the knee-jerk for everyone is I don't want to be institutionalized as I get older. I want to stay independent. I want to be in control of my affairs. I'm with you. Okay. That's, That's my goal, too. Okay. But most people add, I want to live at home. Right. Okay. Well, what I'm saying is I want to live at home may not be what you really want. It may be, I want to stay independent. I want to be in control. I don't want to be institutionalized, okay? <laughs> and so w- what I'm getting at is this, and I saw this with my own mother, is when my father died, she, you know, her stance was, I want to stay right here at home. This is where I'm comfortable. This is where my things are. Uh, this this is home. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I get that. but. And um, my mother, uh, and this I think is true for most widows and widowers, uh, there was a real time of depression for her. She was lonely. In other words, uh, I mean, obviously she was empty nester, so all the kids were gone, and we lived in different uh, places. And, and I was actually the only child in my family that lived in the same town with uh, my mom and dad and so we you know we we were there for my mother uh, when my dad died and you know obviously we were not far we could visit frequently and this sort of thing but it's not like we were there every day Um, and eventually um, and it was and so the bottom line is first thing is loneliness and depression and that goes together and a lot of widows and widowers find themselves in that scenario uh now, my mother was still very active. she had uh, you know she went to um, church every Sunday and was active in the church and still had her garden club and her book club and and um it, you know had uh, dinner with friends after church on Sundays and things like that so um uh the bottom line is she was still active, but she was still lonely and she had more medical issues that was affecting her so you know, a few years later, it was sort of like, well, is it really safe for mom to be at home? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that, and she probably made the decision too late, but at a point, and, and then my niece lived with her for a couple years, and that sort of solved a little bit of the problem. She was less lonely because the niece was there in the evenings after work, and and so she had somebody to check on her every day, and, and that, that was really helpful. But... Eventually, the issues got to her, and, and so it was like, okay, what are my options? And she made her own decision. I mean, she was very lucid a lady, smart lady, and she decide, decided to live in an independent living community. Mm-hmm. And at, once she got there, she regretted not having done it years earlier. She wished – because she was, I think, around 83 – when she made that decision, and she truthfully wished she had done it in her late 70s instead of waiting. Um, You know, there's, I mean, I wouldn't suggest folks move in when they're young, like 60, 65, or even 70 necessarily. But, you know, it's most of the folks who live in independent living are 70 plus, Mm -hmm. and it really comes down to a personal decision. But the the bottom line is, is that what does that give you that you don't get living at home? Well, um, it it gives you a safe environment. You know, you basically have a 24-7 uh, someone who's there. You have call buttons. You have emergency buttons. Um, you know, they all have those kind of things. Most of them serve two or three meals a day, so you don't have to fix your own meals anymore. And for a lot of seniors, they don't eat right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they just eat like a bird or, or whatever you want to call it, but they don't – you know, when you're alone, <clears throat> you don't have to prepare big meals and nutritious meals. And a lot of seniors, truthfully, their diet is terrible as to what it should be and so obviously if you're having food prepared for you as part of living in a a, a, in a community that's really helpful and then the other thing too is is that in an independent living community they have someone who comes to clean your apartment um you know once a week and give you fresh linens fresh towels change your bed for you those kind of things um and that's really helpful. It takes the pressure off. You don't have the grass to mow anymore, or you don't have to pay somebody to mow your grass. <laughs> and uh, And so what I'm getting at is that for the folks who can actually afford and and a lot of these places are very affordable, they're a lot less expensive than what some people think. Now, there are other places that are expensive, mm-hmm. but there are some very moderately priced uh, independent living communities. And it's, it's so it's really helpful. And guess what? If you've made that decision and you need extra money, you could sell your home and and have all of the equity out of your home as opposed to just part of it in order to do that. Or another option is to rent your home, okay? Because Um, that – and so let me talk about that for a moment because, okay, and some folks will say, well, I don't like the concept of renting. I don't want to have to – but you can always have one of your children or uh, a realtor who does that sort of thing to manage uh, your property for you. Um, you know, in terms of cleaning up the house and getting it ready and all of those kind of things, you have to do that at some point no matter what. Uh, so, you know, whether it's because of death, I mean, obviously families have to do that when someone dies But if, you know, why not do it earlier in terms of because you are doing something for yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at the dynamics of selling versus renting. Um, rent will tend tend to give you more monthly income uh, if that's what you need, Um, whereas selling will give you a pot of money that you can dig into. So part of that is what your life expectancy, you know, if it's short, a pot of money might be better. Uh, If it's longer, then renting, uh, if it gives you enough income, uh, may be the better choice. So what are I mean let's just do the simple math. Let's say that you sell your home and you get hundred thousand dollars of equity out of out of your home. Well, okay, that means you could dig into it. but let's just say you invested it. And while this is probably a, a figure that's too high for a lot of folks, let's let's just keep the numbers easy and say that, uh, you've invested your money and you get a 5% return. And there are people out there that are laughing right now, like, where do you get 5%? <laughs> but, okay, so 5% on $100,000 is $5,000, right? Okay, so that's easy math. Uh, so those of you who are saying, well, I hardly get 2.5%, then okay, that's $2,500 instead of $5,000. So, you divide 5,000 by 12, and I, I don't know what the math is, but it's, it's about $450 or so per month. I mean, I'm rounding around because I don't have my calculator with me, <laughs> but um, it's less than $500 a month. Okay, so take the same house and rent it, and in most areas, now obviously it's going to depend on whether you live in Raleigh or Sanford or uh, Williamston or, you know, a smaller, um, you know, Robertsonville, pick, mm-hmm. pick a smaller community and the rents aren't going to be quite as high. But, you know, typically you're going to be able to rent a home for $900 to $1,200 or so. And, uh, okay, you have some expenses. You still have taxes, insurance, and things like that. But renting a small house – you're typically going to net out seven or eight hundred dollars a month uh, from rent. So you know, you you sell. You have a nest egg you can draw from. But your if you if it's invested just reasonably well, uh, you might have anywhere from two to four hundred four hundred fifty dollars a month from selling your home in terms of additional income, or if you rent it you may have two or three times that much in actual monthly income so for a lot of folks who are trying to increase their income and they need to supplement it in order to have a different lifestyle such as living in independent living um, rent can make uh, a difference and be very helpful plus there's another tax reason to do that and that is That while you can sell your house, your primary residence, and you have a $250,000 exemption from income tax if you are single, five hundred dollars if you're still married, but $250,000 for most folks in this circumstance. And um, now, if your children inherit it upon your death, that's when they get what's called a step-up in income tax basis so they can sell the house with no income tax at your death. Plus, your home is an exempt asset, so if you end up having to go to nursing care or if you're looking for VA pension assistance, your home is an exempt asset. So having it on your books is is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing.
0: Yep, a lot of factors to weigh in and probably something you may want to give uh, W.G. Alexander and Associates a call about, and you can find more information about them at wgalaw.com. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio six eighty WPTF. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jason Kong. Got Bill Alexander here alongside me, and you can also check him out tomorrow morning at eight o'clock on CW twenty two for his
1: TV show Money Secrets. Well, I appreciate you mentioning that to folks. I enjoy Money Secrets as well, and I think it. We hope to give everyone some pointers on that too. But this is my favorite, so this this is. Uh, This is where the action is for me, so you know you can just imagine me here in my bathrobe, you know, giving you help. (laughs) So (laughs) no coffee stain on the bathrobe. No, actually, I I have my tie on and all that good stuff with all the coffee on it. But um, the um, but I, I did want to go back about independent living because there's there's some things about independent living that really are helpful for a lot of folks. And no, I do not own an independent living. I have no financial interest in what I'm trying to, to uh, tell folks about. But um, the, the thing ab- about independent living is that uh, it you're independent. You still have total independence. You still have total control. You can Uh, If you're still driving, you can drive wherever you want to go. It's not a prison. Uh, It's basically just your home. It's your home base. It just gives you a little more uh, service and protection than you would have uh, in, in any other kind of location. But the thing about it is it gives you a couple other things that a lot of folks don't realize. Number one, it gives you socialization. So you can... Uh, basically make friends you can have dinner with your friends or lunch with your friends and go to places with your friends that you've made uh, but if you still want to go to your same church you can still go to your same church you can still see you the same friends that you and neighbors that you've had for years there's no limitation on that um, uh, and more importantly is that Being in independent living allows a lot of folks to avoid going to assisted living Mm -hmm. because oftentimes the care that you get in independent living uh, or the services that are provided basically allow you to stay independent where if you were at home and you started having issues uh, where then you'd end up going to assisted living at a much higher price. Plus many of the money of the independent living uh, places have what's called independence with care. And that means the bottom line is if after you're in independent living, if you start having a few issues, you can actually hire, caregivers to come in on a limited basis and provide what little care you need it might be to give you your medicine help you to get dressed or, or help you get with a shower or something along those lines but as long as you can still function for the most part it gives you a, a lot of leeway and it's even if you have to hire folks to come in to help you uh, with a little bit of care it's Still far, far less expensive than most assisted living uh, places, so it's a huge advantage and uh, for a lot of folks. And uh, plus, people tend to help each other out, but you're not paying them. You know, I know I, I, I still remember when my mother was into independent living, if she if if she didn't let her friends know that she was going to our home or you know that uh, away for a weekend or something like that, if she didn't come down to dinner, they'd go by and check on her. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, Myrtle's not here. Uh, <laughs> she didn't tell us she was going out, so we want we better go by and make sure she's okay. That's great. And that's what people do mm-hmm. uh, in independent living because uh, you know they're trying to take care of each other, knowing that everyone's goal is to stay as independent as long as possible. And you know, uh, my my brother who uh, was injured forty uh, some years ago, um, uh, actually nineteen seventy three. It was Easter, and he was run over, and he had oh. traumatic brain injury. And he's been um, because, and he basically had his own uh, condominium for many years and functioned poorly, uh, sort of like a 15-year-old, if you will, in a man's body. Um, But later on, his mobility got worse. He wasn't eating right. uh, And so uh, he went to an independent living uh, situation, and he's thrived. Now, truthfully, if I had delayed on that, uh, he would being assisted living right now no question about it because he does have difficulty with mobility he uses a walker uh but he has a healthy appetite you know and and uh he's probably gained 50 pounds since he's been at independent living because he does love to eat but (laughs) but uh, you know uh, that made all the difference in the world but although he's younger than a lot of seniors because he would be 67 at this point 68 i guess um, which is young to be in independent living, but it's also because he had the um, traumatic brain injury and the mobility issues and those kind of things. But for seniors, particularly those who've lost a spouse and are lonely, then they should look at independent living as an, as an option uh, because it, it can be very reasonably priced uh, down, you know, uh, even less than two thousand dollars a month for um, a lot of situations. Yeah. And that's with meals and and all the other services that they provide. so it's it's really a bargain for a lot of folks. so i I just think that folks need to consider that as an option as opposed to simply staying at home um, because I think it it really is a better option for a lot of folks in terms of, again, the goal is, Stay independent. Stay in control. You know you need less help from your family if you're if you are, uh, choose to be in a situation like that.
0: Yep, got to weigh all those factors before you make a decision like sure. that. Sure. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Asset Protection today with attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio six eighty WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had a, a good show so far. We've talked a lot about reverse mortgages and living options as opposed to staying in your home, independent living, assisted living. We've run the gamut, Bill. But uh, we're we're going to get into something that uh, is is kind of a hard concept for a lot of people to get their heads around, and we've touched on it a few times in the past. And that's
1: probate. Well, well. It, it, it's I don't want to talk about probate itself I want to talk about all the of the misunderstanding that surrounds probate in the state administration mm-hmm. particularly as it relates to your legal documents and to how you own property and actually it's one of the most important discussions as it's mo, it's one of the most important things for uh, folks to actually, understand otherwise they're going to get it wrong okay and so i have so many folks that come to us and say well we really need a last will and testament okay i get that and truthfully everyone should have a will but for most of us your last will and testament and this might surprise you is the least important of your the legal documents what I call your basic documents that you should actually have. For seeing I mean, and you have to understand my focus. What what's a will? It is a document that relates to death. And while that's important, so you can leave your property to whom you want the way you want, that's a good thing. If you don't have a will, the state of North Carolina has a will for you. (laughs) It's called intestacy. In other words, there's a law. That distributes your property if you don't have a will, and that's not what most people think. It doesn't go to the folks most people think it goes to in terms of intestacy. So, But the thing I want to talk about is the fact that life documents and a concentration on life issues is what I think is really important uh, for folks whether they're married uh, or single but the bottom line is life issues was is where it is those are more complex issues than death issues uh, death issues just simply how do, how you distribute the estate properly but for life issues it can be really complicated anybody who's approaching 65 or older they know how complicated it gets when you're a senior with all your Medicare elections and social security elections and And having to revisit it all the time and whether to have this kind of insurance or that, it really gets tough on folks. Um, So the bottom line is, is that for seniors, the most important document for financial purposes and asset protection is their general durable power of attorney. And I say it over and over again that people, seniors need a different kind of power of attorney than what you get when you're younger. And most attorneys give everybody the same general power of attorney, whether they're 20 years old or they're 80 years old. That's a problem. Uh, Most are transactional documents that don't work for asset protection purposes, Uh, If you're trying to stay in control, but you have a person that you can trust absolutely, that's normally going to be your spouse or it might be one or more of your children. Um, By executing a very robust document that allows asset protection, that's a better way to go because it allows you to stay in full control yourself longer Until you see that there's a decline where somebody else needs to come in and help. And that power of attorney is the document that allows a trusted person that you've chosen to come in and help you uh, pay your bills and protect your assets at that point in time. I end up going to court every month because people have either no power of attorney, but more often it's because they have an inadequate power of attorney. They have the typical attor- the power of attorney that attorneys give their clients all over the state. And that's a real problem. Now, what are the other basic documents? Well, likewise, for health issues, if it's important for everyone, whether they're a senior or uh, someone who just turned 18, to have a healthcare power of attorney. I mean, parents should tell their kids, you know, you need to sign a healthcare power of attorney so we can make decisions for you because you're an adult now. We don't have, you're not a, you know, we don't have control uh, over these decisions anymore. So, uh, you know, by giving a healthcare power of attorney, it doesn't uh, let us trump you. You make your own healthcare decisions. But if something happens to you where someone else needs to make a decision, if you appoint us because we're your trusted people, we're your parents, um, then we can make a decision on health care for you if it has to be done. Uh, obviously, you don't want to think about things like that. But having those do- – that's what documents are all about is just-in-case kind of documents. Um, so that's a really important document uh, whether you're old or young. Um Uh, An advanced directive for natural death uh, called a living will in many states. Um, That's another document that's appropriate for almost all of us. Uh, A HIPAA release or a medical release that's HIPAA compliant. That's the federal law on health information privacy. Um, That's really important. It's required by federal law if you want all your health care documents to work. There's a, a, a document we've started doing, which is a, a release for digital assets. That's becoming far more important now. And, and having access to a person's digital assets can be very, very complicated. So having a release for that, uh, even upon death, I mean, people are finding that they can't retrieve digital assets, even as an executor. Or, or personal representative of an estate, they can't get these documents. So we want your named fiduciaries, whether it's an agent under a power of attorney or an executor of your estate or a trustee guardian, uh, to be able to get your digital assets. That's important, too. So all of those documents are really important. But the other thing that folks don't realize is how they own their property affects uh, significantly, whether anything goes through probate in the state administration, most married couples own just about everything jointly with right of survivorship, so very little actually goes through probate in the state administration. So title to how you own your property is one of the most important issues. And if you have a complex plan, most people have title to property actually wrong because the joint with right of survivorship will, will actually undo a more complicated plan rather than help it. So simple estates, joint with right of survivorship helps. For a more complex estate, it actually is a detriment. So in you know, a way, there are lots of things to consider, and we can talk about this more. I know we're running out of time this morning, but uh, title to property is really an important issue as it relates to how folks get along
0: yeah, it sounds like it and it's uh, as you said it's it's pretty complex and if you're uh, if you're not organized it could be some bad news for you. That's right. A costly That's, mistake. No question. You're listening to Asset Protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can find him online at com, and Bill, you can you're free to go now. You can go home, change your shirt uh, into a, an unstained shirt, and even into a bathrobe if you'd like.
1: Well, no, well, I guess that's true. So I guess it, you know, as people go about their their summer uh, weekends, that uh, just be careful. You know, be careful with that <laughs> coffee. Uh, that's really important. <laughs> that's right. Take extra and, and care. Then, be sure to tune us in next week at 11 o'clock, uh, right here. And, uh, you know, also check out money secrets, uh, tomorrow morning at eight o'clock on, on the CW. Don't forget
0: it. And thank you so much for listening. And, uh, we hope to see you again next week or, uh, we hope that you're listening next week to asset protection today on news radio, 680 WPTF.